but really invest in the people who work for them. Where if you can, give them the tools they need to be successful. Let them have the opportunity to practice those tools and do it. Hold them accountable. And so from a overall standpoint, I know companies are trying to cut left and right. If in cutting, what you do is make a manager manage that much more people, you really are not solving a problem. Welcome to the Business Ownership Podcast, brought to you by Awareness Strategies, helping you navigate the waters between entrepreneurship and ownership. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedelec, and I'm super glad that you're here with us today because I am here with my most amazing guest, Mike. Mike, thank you so much for being here with us today. My pleasure. Awesome. So give everybody the highlight of who you are. What do you do for business? I'd be happy to. My name's Mike O'Neill. The name of my business is Bench Builders, and that's a play on building the bench strength of your management team. So um, I founded this company as a result of working with companies who kept struggling with people problems. And because of my background in HR, I hope I could help. And that's kind of what I do. I love it. So tell me a bit about kind of your background in HR and why you decided to open up your own company. You know, I was very fortunate right out of college, I was given an opportunity to go into HR. HR as a profession is kind of hard to break into. And I went in at the ground level, but I was fortunate enough to go work for a company that was growing fast. And because I was there as it grew, they gave me more and more responsibility. So I was very, very fortunate to be in the right place at the right time and get a chance to learn all aspects of HR. Uh, people typically think of HR just in the employment sector, but there's so much more. So what I have been able to do over my corporate career is learn more and more and take on more leadership responsibilities. So for nearly 25 years, I held senior HR leadership roles with two Fortune 500 companies. Nice. So what are some of the kind of acumen uh, in HR that you have that you've noticed that businesses either just don't have or they're lacking or you're going, hey, you know what, if you could fix this, this would serve you well. You know, I guess the thing I hear time and time again from business owners, from business leaders is the most frustrating aspect of what they do oftentimes fall in the the people side of the business. Why? People are people. We're very unproductive as 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 people. <laughs> and so what I'm just finding out there is HR kind of has kind of blossomed in the last 15 to 20 years because companies, organizations of all sizes say, you know what? I don't want to have to mess with that on a daily basis. Can you take care of that? And that's kind of why HR has taken off to the extent it has. Nice. So a lot of people, when they're first starting out and they're first hiring people, entrepreneurs tend to feel like they're babysitting people. Is that what you're referring to? Or is it is there more to it than that? That it's that it's not just the relationships they're having with at work or the stuff that's going on at home that's coming in? What kind of issues are people getting into? I think what we tend to think of is when, when people leave home and come to work, that there's something magic that happens. And the reality, what happens at home works its way into the workplace. In my experience, I love working with entrepreneurs. Uh, entrepreneurs have an idea, and they try to energize people around uh, it, and they're looking for people who can kind of take that and somewhat run with it. But if they're having to go take care of things that take them off that game, they just find that frustrating. Mm -hmm. Right. So 
the ability to be able to bring somebody like you in to the company, are you working kind of with them to be able to manage these things? Are you taking over those roles and responsibilities? What does it usually look like when you're working with somebody? It kind of varies, but let me share with you what has been my experience. Um, and that is, um, I typically work with organizations that have some form of HR in place. Most HR departments, if you ask anybody who leads them, they say that they're spread very, very thin. So what what we typically do is kind of come alongside and help augment. We help augment in those things that they may not have expertise in. Let me give you an example. One thing that I, I see time and time again is on the training side. Organizations do typically a pretty decent job on technical training, but they do a poor job on the people skill side. They pride themselves by promoting people from within, but they just assume that someone who gets promoted knows how to manage others. And often we don't. Then they figure it out eventually. So one of the things I have found as a recurring need is providing a means by which you can instill those good people skills. And the way we go about doing it's pretty just straightforward. You think about all the things that a supervisor has to do with an employee, starting with interviewing and onboarding the employee and, and helping them get an idea of what's expected of them. If you break it down, those competencies typically fall into about 12 different categories. So what we have developed is kind of an approach by which we would cover each of those categories kind of in sequential order. Literally, our series called Build Your Bench starts with interviewing and it ends with termination. And what we try to do in working with the folks who are in our training is let them understand what's expected of them, give them a chance to practice it, go out and do it, and then come back and share with your experiences. So it's very, very uh, intuitive. It's designed to be immediately applicable. And so one of the things that clients ask us to do is, can you come alongside and help us on the people skills training piece? So that's one of the things that uh, we offer. Um, I could go down the, the list, but some HR organizations also find that they're just putting out fires. They're spending all their time putting out fires and they really don't have a plan. So as a strategic planner, I'm really good at coming along HR. I'm really good at coming along C-suite teams and help them get real clear on where they want to go. Because of my background working in front of groups as much as I have, I'm not intimidated by groups. But when you get C-suite folks together, you got a lot of egos. So strategic planning is another area that I have tried to help clients with. The, the other area that comes immediately to mind is coaching. Um, I'm a certified executive coach. I've worked in an unofficial coaching capacity my entire career, primarily working with C-suite. Now, we got to be mindful. When an organization gets bigger and you're an owner or a key leader, who do they turn to? And so because I've been there, both from a corporate standpoint and because I've been there as a business owner, I understand those challenges. So my niche from a coaching standpoint and where I spend more and more of my time is working with key leaders who, for some reason, they're not getting the satisfaction out of the, the role that they once had or the organization has progressed to a point and it's kind of stalled. So kind of the niche that I typically focus on is helping them get unstuck, be it personally or organizationally. And is there, have you found a typical kind of size of either department or company or 
thing one that makes it work more optimally like some people are just overloading going hey yeah i have 28 people reporting to me <laughs> you know is that that ideal and well i guess i'll divide it into as many questions as you want to answer how's that so let me understand are is one of your questions yeah. what would be an ideal span of responsibility yeah let's let's okay. start with that one okay um i have found there's a tendency to spread people way too too thin. There's no practical way that a person can effectively manage 10 people uh, and hope to get the most out of each and every one of those uh, individuals. Um, I try to encourage where possible a smaller kind of span of responsibility, but really invest in the people who work for them. Where if you can, give them the tools they need to be successful, let them have the opportunity to practice those tools and do it, hold them accountable and so from a overall standpoint, I know companies are trying to cut left and right. If in cutting, what you do is make a manager manage that much more people, you really are not solving a problem. You maybe think you're, you're reducing headcount, but in reality, what ends up happening, folks downstream, they realize they're not being heard. They don't know what's expected of them. They look around, they say, I'm not even sure what we're doing as a company and why this company exists. They begin to get disenfranchised and they leave. So when they leave, you're spending money to replace them. So put the money where it needs to be, invest in the right leadership, choose right, train right, support them. And if you do those things, the kinds of things that are most frustrating for leaders, losing employees you want to keep, that goes down. Frustration goes down. And so it's all as a result of investing in the people in the right way. One of the things that I've noticed in the whole kind of reporting and trickle down of communication is, is that the more people you get, often there is a lot of communication and, and nobody no, really knows what's going on at the top. Is there, in your opinion, a good, better, best way of doing that? Or how do companies grow into that? ability to be able to communicate with their entire team? Yeah, I really think it starts with, does the company really know who it is and where they're trying to go? And so as fundamental as that might sound, if, if, a, if a key leadership team cannot articulate who we are and what we're trying to accomplish, why would you expect the employees in the organization to understand that? So it really starts with the top. And therefore, I'm a strong proponent. Put the decision makers in the room, be real clear, not only what is it's got to get done, but also be very intentional. On how are we going to communicate this to the organizations? So the number one complaint I see when I go into the organization, I hear over and over again is communication. Why is that? It, it's for a variety of reasons. One, it could be that the folks at the top aren't real clear on what they're trying to accomplish. So they don't know what to, to communicate. Two, they may have a plan but if that plan is not well communicated, it doesn't serve any purpose. So I'm a strong advocate of not only communicating, but be very intentional to communicate ex using multiple means and don't take for granted that people get it. So what I would say to you is why do we get the number one complaint of communication? One, there's no plan to communicate in the organization. Two, the people who are deciding how to communicate um, are only probably communicating in the means that's most comfortable for them. And it does vary by function. It varies by generation. So you have to be mindful. You have 
a need for information to be delivered differently, depending on kind of your view of the world and to some extent, uh, what generation you come from. Does that make sense? Absolutely, it does. So when it comes to the way uh, that you look in, at a business and the way that you approach it, when you go in, let's start with what does that look like to the company? Is there certain things they need to have prepared for you or uh, how does that go down? Um, at its most basic level, if if I'm asked to come in, probably the first thing I do is just kind of an informal audit of what is currently done. And I'm not talking about get a check list here and just go down the checklist. What I'm just kind of looking for is uh, what are the overall approaches to how things are done and how well is it kind of working? What I try to do initially is try to give an honest assessment what's working and what's not. Then I would go back and say, of all the things you could work on, here is probably the most uh, effective investment of your time and money. Here's the low-hanging fruit. So what I would say to you, the things that I most typically get zeroed in are the things that are causing the biggest pain. It usually is there's not a good way of selecting employees, so they're not really good as an organization at um, attracting, selecting or retaining the right employees. And you have to be real clear on all of those. If you want the right employees to be attracted to you, you have to be intentional in doing so. If you're going to select the right employees, you've got to know how to go about selecting employees so that you know that you've got the right fit. The retention is probably the one that's the most challenging because employees have choices now. They can go anywhere. And we have a tendency as business leaders sometimes to say, oh, the hard work is done. We found them. We got them hired. That's just when the work begins. So engaging that in new employee, particularly early on the process. And I know this is very basic, but what I would say is companies all too often blow it in those first 90 days. They just turn them loose and the employees look around and say, this is not what I thought it was going to be. Right. And so all that effort to bring them in is lost because they quit on you. So I really focus on what are the things that an organization can do that can have the biggest impact. The highest costing thing that I see is turnover. And turnover can be good. You may need to get rid of employees who are not contributing the way they might. But if you're losing employees who you'd rather keep, then that's where I typically suggest you start. And the, uh, can I change the, yep. the and, and where do you start with that? You start with that because those employees, they don't know the key leadership. They may never meet the key leadership or have a quality conversation. They do know their immediate supervisor and right. in their eyes, who they report to is the company. Nice. So when, when they're looking at bringing you in, is it ideal to have it when somebody is getting promoted into a, a high, a position where they can now hire is that the entrepreneur that's running a business and they're still hiring key personnel is it when they're looking at hiring somebody to hire their <laughs> key peers? like when is the ideal time for somebody to look at bringing you in probably ideal is when they realize it ain't working if i can use that expression <laughs> uh, it ain't working and we're not quite sure how to fix it so what i would say to you um the way i oftentimes come in organization it varies it's really kind of interesting I might be brought in because the um, HR organization needs us to come alongside to kind of help them succeed in HR. That would be kind of in a consulting capacity. We're working kind of behind the scenes. We might be brought in from a training standpoint. 
they have the capacity to build training resources, but it's just not getting done. We come in and offer kind of a turnkey solution. Uh, I'll give you an example. What really got me more and more into coaching is that as I was getting to know the key leadership of clients, I get to know them pretty intimately, organizationally, but I also get to know the key decision makers. And if I really understand the challenges they have, and I'm able to, to kind of see them warts and all, and they trust me with that, they begin trusting me in other ways. And that is what has led to more and more uh, executive coaching. A, a key leader says, Mike, you seem to get us. You understand what we're trying to do. You come alongside. You don't in any way compete with HR. You complement HR. But what you're doing is practical and it works. And you've got a knack for sizing that up. And Mike, I think that not only do you get the organization, I think you get me. I would like to improve my effectiveness. Would you be willing to help me or help my key leadership team improve? That is what has led to more and more coaching assignments. So it's very common that you come in as a maybe just to do an HR audit, move into training. You might go into coaching or some variation. Love it. So in a minute, I'm going to ask you about a Cinderella story of a client of one of yours. But in the meanwhile, we're going to take a little bit of a break. Are you running a business over seven figures but still struggling with technology headaches? Pay attention. You do not want to miss this offer. This podcast episode is brought to you by Awareness Strategies, who is offering a custom-built digital adoption roadmap for anyone running a business over seven figures who's wanting to grow their business in the next five years. And it's not just a roadmap. They offer full implementation as well. If that scares the out of you, check out awarenessstrategies.com forward slash roadmap for more details today. The link's in the show's notes. Don't regret not doing this. Do it now. That's awarenessstrategies.com slash So I am super excited to hear about a Cinderella story of one of your clients. Can you share, us with, share one with us? <laughs> You know, one that comes immediately to mind is one that kind of was what I was thinking about when I was mentioning a previous answer. And that is, I began working with this client. This client is a, a large pharmaceutical company. I was working with their U.S. division. And this pharmaceutical company had an HR department, but didn't really have any training in place. So they brought me in to kind of be their training department. But it was in working with them, providing good people skills training that I got to know some of the key leaders. It's one leader who is the one who approached me and said, Mike, you do get us. I think you could get me and I am being considered for a major promotion. But because we're foreign based, what they are looking for in key leadership is something I would like to kind of shore up. Would you be willing to work with me to help prepare me for what will be a very rigorous selection process? That was my entree into executive coaching. But what that meant was, is we, over a period of time, went through what are the things that he felt somewhat insecure about? What are the things that he really needs to get much more competent in? And my job as a coach was to help him gain that confidence. Um, it, it was not an automatic shoe-in. But over time, his confidence obviously clearly grew because when the time came, he got this significant promotion. It gave him much broader responsibility. But what it really boiled down to is he was a very strong ops person. 
Nice. But they were looking for executive presence. And that's what we kind of worked on. How might he carry himself from an executive standpoint to present in a way more mirroring the overall corporate culture? And he made that transition very well and has excelled since. I love it. Well, and it brings up a great point in that people who are getting promoted into a position that they've never been in before have never been in the position before. So they're not going to be good at it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So how do you help them to wrap their head around what it takes to be confident in a position that you don't know what you're doing and and elicit that confidence in the hiring team to go, yeah, but I can. Mm-hmm. I think my nature to your question goes something like this. In what way would this person be measured? What are the real important metrics? If we can get very clear on that, my coaching work with that person would be much more geared towards how do we assure that this person delivers on those metrics? If it's a publicly held company reporting to a board, Mm -hmm. then there's another dynamic because you're dealing with a board. That's a whole new set of relationships to kind of contend with. If they're moving into a more high profile role, they got to work with the public that's another role. So what we try to do is zero in, play to the strengths of that person, but be very purposeful so that the metrics, the way that are going to be measured um, are clearly defined. I actually use a dashboard in my coaching work. Early on, I asked the coaching client to build what amounts to as a personal dashboard, very similar to what is probably their corporate dashboard, but it's for them. And therefore, that's how we hold ourselves accountable to making the progress and measuring the results. So I try to appeal to bottom line impact, measurable impact, and it applies to them personally. That's okay too, uh, because if they're more successful in their role as a key leader, it's inevitable. So will the organization. So who would you say is your ideal clientele or who is most primed to be able to work with you? You know, if I'd answered that question a few years ago, I would say it would be the, the kind of organization that I've worked most with, and that is manufacturing, particularly fast-growing manufacturing. What I have found is that fast-growing piece presents the same type of problems irrespective of the industry. So in the time I've been doing what I've been doing for the last 15 years, I've worked in a wide variety of industries. It's kind of interesting. You start working with a bank and they'll kind of whisper, you know, Banking's different, Mike, and I'll nod and I'll listen, Um, but the reality is the issues that banking deals with, they're the exact same issue um, as engineering firms, same issues as manufacturing, same as a SaaS organization. They use different terminology, but it really is the same issue. What I just try to do is learn the terminology, learn what really drives this organization, what's in the DNA, if I can get a handle on that, it really doesn't matter the industry. Uh, And as a result, I've had the opportunity to work in a wide variety of industries just because the the needs are universal. Beautiful. So our listeners listening in on this, what kind of struggles are they experiencing in in their daily lives? And they're going, oh my God, Mike, I need you so badly. You know, we're recording this at a time um, where uh, it's very uncertain out there. The, the world is in, in a kind of a state of upheaval and that kind of works its way into the workplace. We're expected to run a business with all this chaos kind of going on. Um, so what I would, what I would share is um, if there are individuals out there listening and they're saying, you know, 
I, I can kind of identify with what Mike is saying. Um, I realized that I've had success in my career and I realized that though with every level of success I go up, it presents a whole new set of challenges. What people really need to be able to do is acknowledge that they're not, they're not perfect. Now, in a key leadership role, you're expected to have all the answers. Nobody does. So what I would say to you is in my work from a coaching standpoint is I'm looking to work with individuals who realize that they've been successful. They will be successful, but they've hit something, a snag, if you will. Uh, I had somebody describe, you know what, Mike, you're like the WD-40 of, of coaching. You helped me get unstuck. You helped our organizations get unstuck. And I kind of like that. Uh, so what I would say is when we get stuck, which we all do, when organizations get stuck, that's oftentimes when I get a phone call. Mike, can you help? And if I can, I will. If I cannot, I'll try to find somebody who can. Well, I know our listeners are going to want more from you. So how do they start that journey with you? Well, I keep it simple. My name again is Mike O'Neill. The name of my business is Bench Builders. The best way would be reach out to me on LinkedIn. I love LinkedIn. That's how Michelle, you and I met. Um, and uh, reach out that way. Let's connect there. And if if it makes sense, let's just jump on a call and let's just see what you're dealing with and if I can help. That would be uh, bench-builders.com for a website. Uh, and I'm listed as, as Mike O'Neill on LinkedIn. Perfect. We will, of course, have all of Mike's links in the show notes. So go ahead and scroll down or sideways, wherever your show notes are. Click on the links, but open up in a new browser because we're not done yet. So, Mike, I get to ask you, at what point in life did you know you were a special kind of crazy enough to think that you could become an entrepreneur? Mm. You know, I think in the back of my mind, I always wanted to do this, but I spent so long in the corporate world. I just was I didn't have the courage to do it. And um, I found myself in a situation where I was at a, a decision point. And I decided there's no really substitute for doing that. Um, being entrepreneurs is not for the faint-hearted. Right. But about 15 years ago, I decided to kind of turn my back on the corporate world and try it on my own. And boy, I've made a lot of mistakes, but I've been very fortunate. I have learned from, from people who've come alongside and helped me. And that's kind of what I try to do too, if I possibly can. So why did I do it? I really wanted to kind of scratch that itch. Uh, it has been very challenging, but also richly rewarding. And um, I'm I'm so glad I have had that opportunity to experience that you know, kind of in my lifetime. And I don't have regret for for making that change. Beautiful. Well, we're glad that you mustered up the courage to be able to do it and the perseverance to be able to plow through the challenges that happen because they happen for everyone. I, I personally think that's the whole point of it. Uh, and the more you can embrace that and have fun with it, the better and easier it is. So congratulations and thank you for sharing your story. I appreciate that. My pleasure. Awesome. You have been absolutely awesome. Any last words for our peeps? I don't think so. Um, Michelle, I'm getting to know you through this process. You, you've got a gift not only for asking questions, but you also have a gift for with the solutions you provide. I don't really have any more questions. I just appreciate the opportunity to spend some more time with you, get to know you better, and I hope our conversation might be helpful to others. I love it. Thank you again for your time. I appreciate it, and I know how valuable it is. Awesome. Peeps, this is Michelle Nedelec. Thank you for your sharing your time with us. Be sure to subscribe to the show and share it with your friends. We love helping entrepreneurs grow. 
Are you running a business over seven figures but still struggling with technology headaches? Pay attention. You do not want to miss this offer. This podcast episode is brought to you by Awareness Strategies, who is offering a custom-built digital adoption roadmap for anyone running a business over seven figures who's wanting to grow their business in the next five years. And it's not just a roadmap. They offer full implementation as well. If that scares the out of you, check out awarenessstrategies.com forward slash roadmap for more details today. The link's in the show's notes. Don't regret not doing this. Do it now. That's awarenessstrategies.com slash roadmap.